This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Rose Knits Knitting Bags. Visit the shop online at www.rosenits.etsy.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of Never Not Knitting. Thanks for joining me. As always, I'd like to start out by announcing the new drawing winner from last episode's drawing. As you know, I had a pretty awesome giveaway lined up last time. Everyone had a chance to win an autographed copy of Debbie Bliss's new book and five skeins of Debbie Bliss yarn. So thank you to everyone who participated in the drawing. I entered all of the entries into the online random number generator, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Marilyn. So congratulations. Please get in touch with me right away to claim your prize, and so that I can get your mailing address and get this prize mailed out to you right away. If you listening didn't win this time, please don't feel bad. I try to announce a new fun giveaway for each and every episode, so you'll have many chances to try again. This episode is no exception. I have a really great giveaway to share with you this time as well. So anyways, let's talk about knitting. This episode, I have some very, very exciting news to share with you. You know that design project I've been talking about for the past uh, month? Well, yeah, it's finally done. Well, not done done, but done on my end. It still needs to spend some quality time with the graphic designer and with the test knitters before it's all pretty and ready to release to all of you. Remember how excited I was when I released the Cedar Leaf Chalette pattern? Well, I am equally as fired up about this one. And I think that's a really good sign, because the Cedar Leaf Chalette has been my most popular pattern. So, obviously my instincts were right on that one. So, I'm hoping that everyone will like this pattern just as much, because I think it is equally as beautiful. My new pattern is going to be called the Autumn Vines Beret, and it turned out even better than I hoped it would. And that does not always happen, let me tell you. I don't know about you, but autumn is my favorite season. I love the weather, I love the colors, the falling leaves. This new beret design encompasses everything that I love about this time of year. The beret has this really beautiful all-over stitch pattern made up of cables and leaves. And I'm not sure if there's anything in knitting that I love more than knitted leaves. I've always thought that they were just so beautiful. Even from the time I first started knitting, that was the one thing that I wanted to learn how to make. I find natural botanical things like leaves very inspirational. And if you look at my designs, most are inspired by something in nature. Fruit, flowers, leaves. 
animals, in the case of my sheepish sweater for kids. And so this new design, of course, follows suit. What is exceptionally pretty about this hat, though, is the combination of the cables and the leaves. It really makes it look like this tangly vine creeping up the sides of the hat. Also, this hat is knit out of the most perfect color yarn for the season. The yarn I used is Becoming Art Cielo Sport in the cinnamon colorway. And I'm sure you remember me talking about Becoming Art yarns in the past. This is one of my favorite hand dyers. And this yarn in particular, the Cielo Sport, is amazing. First off, the color, like all of her colorways, is great. The cinnamon colorway is this rich, rusty red with these subtle highlights. I seriously love this color so much, and I have no idea what this dyer does to these yarns, but seriously, the yarn glows. And I know that sounds weird, but it has this sheen to it. And the strange thing is, is that it's not a shiny fiber. It's 100% superwash merino, which really shouldn't be shiny. I mean, you would expect a silk and wool blend to have some sheen from the silk, but not really a flat merino. Somehow, in the dyeing process, with these subtle color variations, the yarn just glows. It's so beautiful. A yarn that I can compare it to is Madeline Tosh. It kind of has a similar look, and I really love the dye technique used in both of these. I feel so spoiled after working with this yarn that I feel like I can never go back to a flat wool ever again. It's gorgeous, and it's absolutely a perfect match for this design. Not only is the cinnamon colorway that perfect shade for autumn, but the yarn itself shows off the cabled stitch pattern beautifully and really showcases the texture in the hat. So I will definitely be keeping you updated on my blog regarding this design. I will start posting pictures soon, and will hopefully have the pattern available within the next few weeks. I'm so excited about it, and I really hope you like it as much as I do. Another reason why I'm really excited to have this done is because I found this pattern to be pretty difficult to design. It has been probably the hardest pattern I've done so far. It was hard for me, at least. It probably wouldn't be hard for any other designer, but I haven't been doing this for that long yet. I had to re-knit this hat a couple of times to get it right, and when I finally finished it, I was so excited and happy. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I finally, after much frustration, got the pattern finalized and had the hat blocking, and even though it was so late, I couldn't even go to sleep because I was so excited about finally getting this done. I seriously wanted to have a party or something to celebrate, but, of course, how weird would that be? Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know I'm having a party this weekend. I hope you can come. It's going to be around 6 and... Oh, um, what's the occasion? Well, um, I, it's to celebrate my hat. It's really pretty. Oh, it has leaves. And it's um, this really beautiful autumn color, and yeah, I'm just really excited about it. So please, um, come over. Right, so yeah, 
I don't know. I'm thinking that it was probably a good idea that I didn't go ahead with that little party plan. I'm pretty sure that nobody would understand and just think that I am extremely weird. Except for maybe some of my more obsessive knitting friends. So instead, I celebrated by indulging in a quick, simple little knitting project for my daughter. After working so hard on that cable pattern, I needed something mindless that would just fly off the needles. So I decided to knit my daughter a toy flamingo. Because everyone knits flamingos when they want to celebrate, right? Yes, knitting flamingos is my idea of a good time. I'm just that boring of a person. Anyways, you know how much I love knitting toys. It had been a few months since I knit one for my daughter, and I felt like I was going through withdrawals. As soon as I saw this little knitted flamingo pattern on the Sweat and Chloe website, I knew that this would be the next toy on my list to make. This is another pattern designed by Susan B. Anderson, who, as I've said before, is a toy knitting genius. I've knit several of her toy patterns now, and they're all super adorable. And she just keeps coming out with more and more. What am I supposed to do? So this little flamingo pattern that she designed is pretty adorably cute, I must say. There are so many great things about this little flamingo. First of all, the pattern is free. So if you feel the need to have a little knitted flamingo in your life, check out the show notes because I will be posting a link to the pattern. The other great thing about this pattern is that it took small amounts of yarn. It calls for a few colors of worsted weight, which is such a common weight that we all have. If you even have just a small stash, it's very likely that you can find the yarn you would need out of what you have already. I have a little girl at home, so of course I have pink yarn coming out of my ears. So that was no problem at all for me to find in the stash. The pattern calls for Spud and Chloe's sweater yarn. And my stash is unfortunately so extensive that I happen to have scraps left over in exactly the colors the pattern called for. So that was very handy. This yarn is great, as I've said before, and I find it to be especially wonderful for toys because it is washable and so durable. Last year I knitted a toy frog for my daughter out of Spud and Chloe's sweater, and for the past year that poor little frog has been drugged all over the house, but it still looks like new. Plus you're knitting these toys on a tighter than normal gauge, and that really adds to the durability as well. So basically this little flamingo was just a perfect project for me at this time. It was like instant gratification knitting. It only took a few evenings to make, and the result is really just too cute. I've posted pictures of my daughter with her new knitted flamingo on my blog if you'd like to check it out. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, today's sponsor is Rose Knits Knitting Bags. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, or if you've been keeping up with my blog then undoubtedly you are already familiar with these bags. Annie is the owner of Rose Knits, and she creates the cutest line of knitting bags that you have ever seen. 
They are my favorite project bags and I have several of them. And I use these bags for my knitting every day. In her Etsy shop, you'll find several different styles offered. She has project bags, notion pouches, needle holders, and even larger knitting bags. All are hand sewn by her and come in the most adorable, colorful designer fabrics. As I mentioned on a previous episode, what I especially love about her project bags is that they have a handle sewn on. I have this plastic bin by my couch and inside are all of my knitting projects in various stages, all in their own individual project bag. And when I'm running out the door, it's just so easy to just quick grab the bag that I want to take with me. And the rose knits bags are the kind of bag that you can carry along with your purse, and it doesn't look odd or out of place. It's a huge upgrade to the Ziploc bags I used to carry my knitting projects in. When I'm carrying my rose knits bags, I feel like a stylish knitter. I even have one little project bag that has a matching zippered pouch for stitch markers and so forth, and I choose that one when I really want to impress people. I just feel so organized and put together when I have my little matching notions bag inside the project bag. Her bags are so cute that even my non-knitting friends notice them. Even if I wasn't a knitter, I could definitely see her project bags used for cosmetics on a trip. I'm thinking of getting another just for that purpose. And I was also kind of thinking that the little cube project bag that she offers could make a really cute handmade little lunch bag for my daughter when she goes to kindergarten next year. I'll have to try that and see how it works out. Bags are really well made, so I know that they'd last a long time, even for that use. And they're just so cute. I adore them. So I encourage you all to go to Annie's Etsy shop and see what she has to offer. Again, the address is www.rosenits.etsy.com. And if you see something you like, Annie has kindly offered all Never Not Knitting listeners free shipping off her entire selection for the month of November. So all you have to do to get that discount is to mention Never Not Knitting in the comment section when you place your order, and she will be refunding you your shipping costs. Annie has also very kindly sent me a gorgeous knitting bag to give away to one of you listening. And seriously, I'm not just saying this. This bag is so awesome. I really, really, really want to keep it, but I won't because that wouldn't be very nice. It's one of her larger tote bags with a pocket in the front and nice long handles. And the inside lining is this sturdy canvas and the outside is the cutest combination of bright turquoise fabric with birds on it and a chocolate brown polka dot pattern for the contrasting fabric. She definitely has an eye for pairing cute fabrics together. I love this combination in particular, and I seriously want it really bad. Even my four-year-old daughter, when she saw it, was saying, Mom, what bag is that? Is that for me? So, obviously, she would like to have it, too. 
So be sure to go check out my blog within the next few days because I will posting up the drawing giveaway information. Everyone will have a chance to win this awesome rose knits bag, which will be full of some really fun knitting things. So it's going to be a really great giveaway. Be sure to stop by and enter. This episode's knitting story was sent in by knitwear designer Melissa Worley from Neonits.com. I'm sure many of you are already familiar with Melissa's work, as she has been featured in Interweave Knits, Knitscene, Knitty.com, as well as several knitting books. Melissa is well known in our community, and I'm so pleased that she has contributed her story so that we can learn a little bit more about her. So this is Melissa's personal story about her journey into knitwear design, entitled The Journey to 7th Avenue. I have always been a creative person drawn to making things. When I was younger, I used to draw, paint, sew, and craft. My grandmother said that I was always making something or thinking about my next project. In school, I made out just fine in my academic courses, but I knew if I was going to be happy, my career choice would have to center around being creative. No boring desk jobs for me. In my junior year of high school, I had the chance to attend a Saturday program for high school students held at the Moore College of Art and Design in Philadelphia. I chose to participate in the fashion design program. While the program didn't go into too much detail, it did expose me to fashion illustration and how to plan a mini line. We also got to participate in a fashion show totally put together and run by the students in the class. I enjoyed the class a lot and knew this was something that I might like to explore further in the future. In my senior year of high school, I had the chance to attend more again. This time I chose the jewelry design course. We got to bend, cut, sandblast, and torch metal into submission. The experience was definitely an interesting one, but I didn't get the feeling I could make this into a career. As deadlines for college applications rolled around, I didn't have a hard time choosing where I wanted to attend and what I wanted to major in. I knew I wanted to study fashion design at the Fashion Institute of Technology. My cousin was attending FIT at the time, and my dad and I had already visited the school to check it out. New York was a little scary, but I knew it was where I needed to be if I wanted to study fashion. Going against my guidance counselor's wishes, I only applied to FIT. She also wanted me to apply to the then College of Textiles in Philadelphia, but I never bothered. I wanted to study fashion in New York City, and that was that. Thankfully, I was accepted. When the time came, I packed up my sewing machine and headed out to New York. I was the typical country girl in the big city. I had only visited New York once in my life and didn't frequent Philadelphia too often either. I grew up in a small farming community in South Jersey. I wasn't quite ready for the city or all the people, noise, and craziness that came with it. So I cried. I cried to my mom that I should have applied to the College of Textiles in Philly. She told me to suck it up, so I did. Once I got into the swing of things and met some friends, things got a lot easier. My days mostly consisted of sewing, draping, and drawing. It was hard work, 
but much better than having to sit through lecture after lecture and write paper after paper. Throughout my first two and a half years, I explored many special areas such as tailoring, lingerie, activewear, and knitwear design. Some were more interesting than others, but what I truly fell in love with was knitwear design. In our first exploratory knitwear class, we learned how to use the Brother Home knitting machines. We started off making a gauge swatch and created a knitting plan for a simple scarf, a stockinette stitch scarf that rolled. No one bothered to tell us this is what happened when you knit up a plain piece of fabric. After we got the basics down, we learned more about different stitches and created blanks for our final projects. Nothing we made was fully fashioned. We would create large rectangles of knitting, make a paper pattern, and then sew everything together with a serger. Hand knitting actually didn't come into the picture until my senior year. We needed one hand-knitted piece in our senior collection. Never mind that most of us had never hand-knit a thing in our life, let alone design a project from scratch. Thankfully, I had decided earlier that year that now was the time to rediscover hand-knitting. My grandmother had taught me how to knit when I was seven or eight, but it never really stuck. I used to make tons and tons of Barbie tube dresses, but that was about it. When I picked up the needles this time, I jumped right into making a tank top on size 2 needles. I never finished it. I did manage to make a cardigan for my senior project, though. On May 22, 2002, I graduated from the Fashion Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. Our guest speaker was Alec Baldwin, and Calvin Klein was supposed to speak also, but he got quote-unquote stuck in France. The president of FIT read us a very nice letter written to us by former President Clinton. I even got to walk across the stage at Radio City Music Hall to accept the art and design medal given to the top student in each major. It was a great day. All of my hard work had paid off. I made it, but now what? After a two-week, much-needed vacation, I hit the streets in search of a job. After a few days, I received some callbacks, and with portfolio in tow, I set out for my first interviews. It was a little stressful, but after two or three, I got the hang of it. I eventually ended up as an assistant knitwear designer at Dollhouse, a junior company that was well known for their denim. I was barely able to pay my rent with my salary, but I had always dreamed of working for them and took the job anyway. I made out pretty well at Dollhouse and learned a lot from the head knitwear designer. I moved up very quickly, and after a year and a half, I was in charge of the entire sweater line. Another year went by, but I was ready to move on to another company that was a little more focused on sweaters. I took a job with KBL Group International as a sweater designer and have worked with the company for almost six years now. My sweaters have been sold in stores such as Target, Charlotte Russe, Forever 21, Bloomingdale's, Macy's, and Kohl's. So where does my hand-knit design fit in with all this? Well, I didn't really start designing for hand-knits until about 2003, and it was on a whim. I had picked up Debbie Stoller's book a year or two before and wanted to learn about the knitting groups that were popping up all over the city. 
I joined a group and heard about a call for submissions for the second book she was putting together. I sketched something up and sent it over. A little while later, I heard back from Debbie and was accepted into the book. I was so excited. But once the initial excitement wore off, I realized I had quite a daunting task ahead of me. I had never written a knitting pattern in my life. I had never designed anything more than a simple cardigan. I educated myself with back issues of Interweave Knits and Rowan Magazine and made it through okay. In 2004, the book hit the shelves and my lucky clover wrap was pretty well received. At this point, I never had much interest in designing anything else. I was more than happy to knit from already existing patterns. Why reinvent the wheel? Then one day, I wanted to knit a sweater, a cardigan actually, but the pattern I had in mind didn't exist, so I got out the calculator and got to work. I posted the final product on my blog, and knitters asked me if I would write up the pattern. So I did, and my first indie design for new knits was born, the Granny Smith cardigan. I was still a bit slow to expand my hand-knit designing further until I realized that I needed a creative outlet for my own ideas. While designing full-time in the industry was great, my creative needs really weren't being met. Designing a sweater to hit a certain price point really limits which yarns and stitches you can use and sometimes feels more like a formula than a design. I began working with a couple of indie dyers and submitting to a few online magazines. My Hamlet designing really took off when I got an opportunity to be the creative director for One Planet Yarn and Fiber, an online yarn store. I started churning out pattern after pattern, and the process became easier and easier. Finally, in 2007, I got up the confidence to submit to Interweave Knits and was accepted. My first interweave pattern was the Wallace Cardigan, which appeared in the summer 2008 issue. Since then, I have been published in several issues of Interweave Knits, Knit Scene, and Yarn Forward. I have also contributed designs to several books including Brave New Knits, Superstar Knitting, and Expectant Little Knits. My favorite part of designing hand-knit patterns is when a knitter thinks my designs are worthwhile enough to spend the time to knit them. Knitting a sweater is so time-consuming, and with so many wonderful designs out there to choose from, this is the ultimate compliment to any designer. When I see someone on the street wearing one of my store-bought designs, well, it is still pretty cool. The same level of commitment on the part of the wearer just isn't there. Even though my full-time job and part-time hand-knit designing are really two separate things, each intertwine and inspire the other. As I learn new techniques or see new stitches, I am constantly energized and inspired in both. Where does my story go from here? I'm not really sure. I would love to concentrate on my hand-knit design exclusively, but the pay gap isn't too appealing at this moment. Maybe one day. Thank you again, Melissa, for sharing your story with us. I'll be providing a link to Melissa's pattern page on Ravelry, as well as her website in this episode's show notes, so that you can check out her beautiful design work. Melissa has also contributed a copy of her very first sweater pattern, the Granny Smith Cardigan, to this episode's drawing giveaway. 
That's my favorite pattern of hers. It's so cute, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I really love it. So there's another reason for you to enter this drawing giveaway. Remember that all drawing details will be posted on my blog within the next few days. Remember that the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can also be found on my blog, and that's at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry.com as Never Not Knitting, and there you will find a Never Not Knitting Ravelry group if you'd like to keep in touch and talk about the podcast with other knitters. And also, if you'd like to contact me, please feel free to email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 43. And join me back November 15th for another great episode, exclusive Never Not Knitting promotion and giveaway. I'll see you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad Again. She just won't stop the stitching And the neighbors say it really is quite sad I don't know about her She used to be such a sweet girl But now she doesn't knit Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm finally for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.